Welcome to Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet, or anywhere. I'm your host, Megan. And I am, in fact, your host, Joe. You are, in fact. And we're here today to talk about episode 506, Better to Marry Than Burn. Right. Love the title. Yeah. I it's a good get, title. Does, is it? I love it. Okay. Yeah. Yes, it is. All right. Cool. Just checking. The title card is... It's a it's this weird long mask that the man is putting on his face while they puff powder all they, around they, his, they wig. Powder his wig. I yeah. figure this has to be Mr. Wiley, right? Yeah, I would yeah. think so. Getting prepared to go to the event of the year, Aunt Jocasta's wedding. The Innes wedding. Yeah, Innes. Innes. Whatever. Innes. Heinz. So. This episode was directed by Mira Menon. She directed the last episode as well. Boy. And it was written, the last episode was, what did you just say? Nothing. <laughs> I loved the last episode. I also loved this episode. Um, and it was written by someone named Stephanie Shannon. Stephanie Shannon. And we'll come back to Stephanie Shannon. Okay. Because again, I loved last episode. I loved the writing, although she didn't write the last episode. But I, I loved the last episode and the direction of it and the editing, and I loved this episode too. And something that I think is great about this episode is that the director is a woman and the writer is a woman. And I think that's really important. It is. These days and very significant. So good on you, Outlander. The first the very first scene we have, we have something that you've been longing for and requesting. A time stamp. We have a time stamp. A time stamp. It's 1746, so we're right after the Battle of Culloden. Yeah. And um, I love that they did this, that they had a throwback to younger Jocasta, because why not? That actress is younger. She's absolutely younger. Right? So um, we have her in a carriage with her first, or I don't know, maybe this is the second or third husband, Hector. Yeah, I'm sure. Who seems like a really good guy, don't you think? I mean, seems he's like a nice enough he's dude. He's playing it cool for yeah. sure. Made a big error with the gold. With the gold, he but almost they almost got away. They with almost it. got away with it, some, and he was playing it. He right. was cool as a yeah. cucumber. They're stopped by some British dragoons who they almost let him go, and yeah, and they've got her daughter Morna. Morna. Who gets, you know, she gets stuck in the mud and the red coat bends down to help her. But mud. didn't you know as soon as she steps in that mud? Oh, oh it's all over. Some, something um, bad's going to happen. And just so upsetting. She, you know, she gets killed. That is upsetting. It That's was. really upsetting. And, and just that. So like her, so Jocasta's husband accidentally shoots. Her in the head. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know if it was in the head, but she shot. he shot her enough to kill her basically instantly. Yeah. And then basically just left her there on the side of the road with the two dead Brits. And there is, and this is why I thought the direction was fantastic, there is a moment where she turns and looks out the window. She doesn't see her whole body, but she just sees her legs and her dress right beside that red coat in the yeah. mud as they move along. And it's like, oh, that's the last thing she sees of her daughter. As a parent, I can't even imagine. I literally I, can't imagine. No, I feel like, I mean, I've had a glass of wine and it's been a really stressful week for everyone in the world, obviously. Yeah. But like, I feel like I'm getting welled up just thinking about it. And I will say this, as our loyal listeners know, I did theoretically read this book, but I skimmed hard. But I do remember that Jocasta's story and her backstory is so tragic. Which so I would kind of skim it because it's just, it's the saddest thing in the world. This woman has had a, a number of husbands, some of which she really cared about, all of whom have passed away, and all of her children are dead. And that Moira situation, like that, is just it does not get any worse than that. And she holds onto her ribbon because that's all that she has. Yeah. It's and just shitty. within seconds, one second she's there and alive, and the next second she's back in that carriage without her. Well, with no closure or funeral or anything it's just like face down in the mud we got to get out of here it's hardcore and hector he convinces her immediately to get back into well, that carriage i mean it's it i understand sort of because it's what are they gonna do like they're they're fleeing you know it's you if they all get caught then they all die so you know the choice was either let's all stay be sad and all die yeah but you wouldn't do that I mean, I, I don't think I would. I don't know. But I, I let's just say I don't ever want to have to be in that situation. Well, you won't because we don't live in 1746 right after the Battle of Culloden, nor are we Scottish. So Yet. we're, I think... <laughs> Who knows Ooh, what I, Yeah, that's right. Because time travel is real. <laughs> yeah. 
Maybe. Who knows? I wish it was these days. So then we're back in 1770-something. Yeah, a little bit more <laughs> forward in time, yet still back in time. And Duncan Innes comes in to Jocasta, who's sitting there holding the ribbon, obviously contemplating yeah. everything that she's been through in her life. And he said, what did you think of this character? Uh, I mean, they, uh, I mean, I don't know. The, the you, you have a line that you use in life, Megan, that I really like. And that is, uh, you teach people how to treat you. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like Outlander taught us how to treat Duncan Innes. Like, okay. basically, or Ainz or whatever the mm-hmm. hell his name is. Mm-hmm. So he comes in and Jocasta basically treats him like a piece of shit she treats him less than a servant like she she barely pays any attention to him he gives her a gift and she sort of likes it but then like refuses to let herself like it too much and basically completely dismisses him and you know so that tells me it's a character to not like and to completely dismiss yeah so the show is not hard but uh so i mean this guy whatever i'm not i'm not a devoted book reader so i i feel irritated with him because the book readers love this this guy and they want they were upset with the Murta surviving and yeah, his relationship development with jocasta because they're like what about duncan innes he's a real character and he was in ardsmir with jamie and are we gonna completely eliminate him and you know, of course, Matthew B. Roberts and Meryl Davis were like, no, we would never do that. Duncan Innes has his own storyline and he's his own character and we would never take that away. But it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't need him. You know, that's another character without a hand. Did you notice he doesn't have a hand? Thankfully, no. You I didn't hate, notice that? No, I hate handless characters. Um, I know you do. So he, he's another character un- without a unless hand. Unless they're played by actors that actually only have one hand, which oh, I've yet okay to see. you're okay with that? Yeah, okay. for sure. I hate the fake missing hand. That's what it's not that I don't like people missing hands. I just hate when you get that like always terrible looking fake hand. Mm-hmm. Fergus. So Jamie he Lannister. says to her, I can you don't burn with a passion for me. But then he starts to give this analogy about how people grow to love each other. Yeah. And she goes, thank you. Exactly. She just dismisses him like she's and at You know the... what? I don't know if you noticed this, but as soon as she said, thank you, Ulysses came in. Oh, and yeah. she's like, oh, hi. Yeah, no, like, I yeah. feel like he knows. No. Like, she treated him like a, like someone in line at the DMV. Like, this is not a person you're getting married to. And, yeah, yeah and Ulysses is just right there to come in. And I love Ulysses. It's like in in a perfect world, Jocasta and Ulysses oh, are of living, living together forever. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if there's any undercurrent there, but it's 100%. like... 100%. No, very much so in the books. Yeah. Everyone is very aware. He is devoted to her. Yeah. He loves yeah, her. exactly. And there's no doubt she loves him. I, She's so dependent on I him. I believe that. I, yeah. They're like... And of course, as in all adaptations, like the book, real there's so much more between i mean right not sorry they never as far as i know please correct me if i'm wrong but like nothing happens between ulysses and jocasta but their relationship like they are a united front yeah so um jamie arrives to sign the document that allows joe even though because i mean she's just a woman right so she's marrying duncan innes and as a result she's losing all of her property etc but he has allowed her to serve as guardian of river run until jeremiah comes of age yeah so that's what they're signing and jamie's the witness it's huge yeah and she explains she doesn't even seem that happy about it she's like well we have no children of our own so obviously this makes sense right i'm the guardian and then it goes to jeremiah but it shows that this person is a man of integrity right yeah. he's not just marrying her for the property he's like if this was your plan you can continue on with that yeah no and even like the little weasley guy played by the hobbit uh you know he's like are you sure does, yeah, he, does, he, does he know what's happening here yeah yeah so that's a big deal. Then we go to Roger and he's wiping the nose of a sick baby. Jamie's, I mean, Jemmy, sorry. Jemmy is sick, but he's not really sick. But there, it just, it gives this moment where Roger can talk about how he misses Kleenex and Brianna can say that she misses baby aspirin. And you can see that he's, you know, wiping the snot and then they put it in the basket and then she washes it and then hangs it by the fire to dry and then repeat. It's like, Jesus, guys, this is a rough life. Yeah. Boring. Well, yeah. And also then he admits, Roger admits that he's not going to Jocasta's wedding. because He said it was because Jimmy was sick and he wanted to support Brianna, right. but then admits that he's 
essentially sulking. Yeah. And guys, like, why? Why? We don't need that. That's not a nice beat on character. No, I felt, I mean, and again, maybe this was in the books. I have no idea. But I feel like it's weird that, I, you know, if they kept Roger and Brianna back from the wedding just to give them this, like, weak locust storyline... Which, not sure. Not sure. Yeah. Did you think it was weak? I, I thought it was necessary. I didn't think uh, it was bad. I didn't mind it, it at all. I feel like it was no. Okay. Ooh. Well, we'll get into that. It was. It was we'll like a. That. It was basically like the TV version of a make work project. Oh. Okay. Uh, then we have Jamie. He's standing on the the front porch of River Run. Yeah. Sort of sadly watching the. I mean, this is the day before the wedding, but he can see that it's all happening, and he's upset that it's not Myrta, and he says it should be Myrta marrying Jocasta, and I strongly agree. Many don't. I do. I do. Jamie I think does. that the Jocasta two of them. Does. Well, Jocasta doesn't though. Myrta does, but Jocasta doesn't. What do you mean? She. That's what. Better to marry than to burn. Marry with no passion than to burn with passion. She's done that before. Hmm. I disagree. She wants to marry Myrta. But you Did can't... you not see? You were compl- okay. We'll get to this, but you were mm. complaining throughout the Murta and Jocasta amazing, we'll, we'll incredible talk about it scene. When we get to it, but... but I feel like maybe you were you'll, paying you'll attention understand. because of you'll your complaints. We'll okay, there. we'll get there. Okay, so I just want to tell everyone that when Jamie was standing on the porch and Claire came up and they stood side by side on the porch, I didn't even tell you this, Joe, but I have PTSD from that porch what? because of that scene in season four where they hung that poor oh, yeah. teenage boy. That was a bad porch. Did you not think of that? No, I didn't. I've I'd forgotten. I uh, Outlander episodes don't really stay in my mind. Traumatized I don't have like for, a I am back catalog of forever. scenes that I can't I go believe back to. That my beloved show made me. I can barely watch that. remember what happened three episodes ago. Okay, well we can walk through it if you want, or you could listen to our podcast. <laughs> no, probably not. So Claire comes out and. Uh, embraces Jamie and says, you know, we have to make the most of it. It's your aunt's wedding. Let's have a good time. And you, you were a bit crusty yesterday when we were watching this. Maybe. But you said, oh, there's Claire with hair that's noticeably darker than it was in the 1960s. Yeah, that bugs me. It's it's like, and there was a big, it, this was a theme in this episode, me getting pissed off about hair. Right. Um, but this is something I noticed that in the last episode, Claire has these like super cool white streak like streaks in her hair Mm -hmm. and they're basically just gone now. I don't Mm -hmm. know if she's found like if she's made she can make penicillin so she can also make like L'Oreal hair dye or something like that. that, (laughs) Like she made it out of like prunes and a stump. I don't know. But like she's (laughs) she's you know the the white streaks are gone and she gave some to Jocasta and we'll talk about that later. We will. We, We certainly will. So then we have. John Gray, he's dancing with women. Love Lord John Gray. So and cool. He is charm, 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 charm. so charm, 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 charm. And the women feel the charm. Oh, they want all of There's the Lord. There's this amazing, like, it's not even a full second, but the women, after the dance is over, and he dances fantastically, yes. um, the dance is over and he politely bows and these two women walk like, towards him and he's, he's like, like, excuse me. Gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> run away, run away. And I love that when he goes to talk to Jamie and Claire about it, it's so 2020, right? They are both very aware mm-hmm. that there is no hope in hell of those women, right? And he's like, God, these girls are super into me because I'm really out. good yeah. looking. As you know, I'm into men, specifically you. Yeah. And they both kind of like, smile and nod. Whatever. You sure are. That's yeah, right. that's not going to happen for those women. They walk up to Lord Tryon and were introduced to his wife. Claire says, nice to meet you, Miss Tryon. Mm -hmm. And he says, Her Excellency. He corrects Claire. Yeah. It's thin ice correcting Claire. It is. Well, and you can see both um, Lord John and Jamie just nervously turn their head over to look at her. That is definitely like a cue for Claire (laughs) to say something like, I don't know if I'd say stupid, but to get them in trouble. That was, that's like a cue, Claire. You know, saying something. Yes. And she says, please excuse me. But she says it in a way that is like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah, she rolls. But the awesome thing is, is that his wife said, don't pay any attention to him. It makes him feel good when people call me that, but just ignore him. I really like the character of his wife. This is the, the trend of, I don't know who does, who, the one strong thing that this show has except with some of its mains, is I don't know who does the casting. I don't know who the casting director is. I haven't looked it up. 
But again, they are great at finding these secondary, these actors that just play the shit out of these secondary characters. Yeah. There's two secondary characters in the show, and they're both awesome. Like the who, who is it? Danny McGee. There. Oh, Mr. Wiley. Yeah. Oh, they're yeah. both. They're both. And but he he crushes it though. He like does. he's he's a super fucking weirdo, but like that actor <laughs> yeah. kills it. He does absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I really liked her and I thought it was such interesting casting because I wouldn't necessarily call her like a stunning Hollywood beauty of an actress. No, but she has a presence. She has a presence and you like her right away. Yeah. She pulls Claire aside and links arms and, you know, you can just feel this camaraderie. And if I'm stuck back in time at a formal gathering, I want to link arms with her and hear what she has to say. And, you know, they talk about Mr. Wiley and she... She she refers to him as persistent, and of course Claire said, "Well, I was going to call him annoying, but they right. sort of bond on that." And she assures Claire, "Well, if I ever see him near you, I'll, I'll save you, I'll protect you." Yeah. She's great. Who she, doesn't want this woman at a party with her? You both. want her for sure. You always need wingmen at parties. Yeah, she's cool. Um, and then Q Wiley, he comes weirdly across like a pond on a surfboard i don't really understand what's happening there okay yeah so here's where we are really gonna rely on our loinies to fill in the blanks because joe was asking me a ton of questions in this episode and i did not have no i I don't even remember this guy like we've met this guy before very briefly very briefly i I don't remember him but i i remember reading here's my memory of reading this portion of the fiery cross i was on the subway in Toronto, I used to commute to work and I would take the subway. And I, it must have been like two weeks. And I would, this Jocasta's wedding went on forever. And again, kudos to the casting director because it's more interesting with the people that they've cast. And I actually care about all these random characters. And kudos to Matthew B. Roberts and Meryl Davis for making Murta a regulator. Because then you're more interested in what's happening with the regulators. When you're reading The Fiery Cross, at least when I was reading it, it's like, I, I don't care about all this regular... Like, why is do there I... a leader of the regulators that's not Murtaugh? No, in you, the just, book? you like, just know that this is going Jack. on. No, not at all. It's just like something that you're supposed to care about, but I didn't, right? right? Anyway, so this wedding does carry on, and that's another reason why I like this episode, is because I felt like they had done a really good job at compacting these scenes into really interesting snippets. And I remembered that it involved Stables and Mr. Wiley and, but I, I really liked the way that it was written. Yeah. I mean, like I can't imagine reading five pages of this, let alone 500 or however many it was. Okay. So then we have, we're back to Roger and Brianna. We have locusts in front of the drone, as you said, with yeah. locusts in front of the drone. Roger doesn't have an answer for any of these men who are all standing around yelling at him, like, what would Colonel Frazier do? And Roger says, he's 10 days ride away. I love things like this in the show. 10 days ride away. They're back in time. That is a far way away. There is no texting. There is no get in a plane and fly here or just drive 140 till you get here. He is 10 days ride away. It's a ways. Guys, the olden days were tough. Anyways, everyone is freaking out at Roger. Brianna looks stressed. Mercily, for the first time, looks like she does not have an answer. No. Fergus sure as shit doesn't have an answer. He's over by a window with his arms crossed. All the other settlers are coming in and they're like, what are we going to do, Captain Roger? It's kind of a mm. dick move. You know, it's like, I can insult Roger, but like, leave him alone. like it when other people Yeah, no, come on, he's my kicking boy yeah and he wasn't sure what to do at first he felt like they were all panicking and he addressed that and at one point he was giving a speech and i thought this is so this is such a good speech and certainly a speech that the son of a minister would give yeah he had a bit of like a braveheart moment he did which is totally out of character but it amounted to nothing it wasn't a braveheart moment in terms of he wasn't riling them up he was trying to calm them down and he was speaking philosophically as though he were a minister Right? right? I feel like he was really using his... Ministerial powers? Well, no, but his, his adopted father's... Reverend Wakefield's presence? presence. yes. Gotcha. Back at the party, Claire, mm-hmm. eating and drinking alone, here's two women talking about the Dr. Rawlings newspaper clippings, and they're yeah. using it to their advantage. One woman as, says... As like a contraceptive. Yeah. Yeah. As they should be. Yeah. Why shouldn't they? And one woman says... I don't know, it just seems bad because a child is a divine blessing from God. So what sort of woman would not want that? Claire butts in and says... Like, how about somebody that can't afford an infinite amount of divine blessings? This is- I mean, 
very, very logical and rational, right? Very progressive and very undivine blessing. And they did not care for it. No, they, they, the two of them turn and stare at her yeah, shocked. And she says... Stink eye. And Claire's like, I'll show myself out. She's like, if you'll excuse me, please, I do have to go over here. And they're like, please do. Like, we don't yeah. even want you here. Claire, like, water off a duck's back. Oh. Like, she does not... She doesn't care. She does not care. She has the shield of her own Confidence. personal righteous correctness that, <laughs> that protects her from everything. Yeah, Except so she turns around. Andy rapists, but anyway. Yeah, that's true. She turns around. She bumps right into Mr. Wiley, and he is—he is truly repulsive. He is a weird dandy rapist. He's the—he's a creepy fuck. He is. Um, and he, you know, he's been to Paris, so he's really taken their fashion seriously, and yeah. he's like next level. Like he's all pasty. He's got the fake mole. Yeah. He's got the powdered wig. Lord Tryon's wife does rescue her temporarily. Yeah. And then we're back to Roger and Brianna. Right. And I, I, you know, Roger is creating this concoction of shit and goose, Duck fat. goose oil. Or, yeah. I, to I, smoke out the locust. Yeah. I mean, good on them for having the budget to make like a swarm of CG locusts. Yeah, we're going to get to that. We're yeah, not, we're not think, there yet, but you Outlander did say, had, yeah. had the money for that. Yeah. So I guess they they got a bit of a, they got that and then they, they had a, swarm of angry pigeons earlier in the season they're they're They've had lots their of CG. flying pest cg budget has gone through the roof so i just want to talk about the interaction between roger and brianna because i um i don't like it and i can't put my finger on it now you said it's because they're more like brother and sister. Yeah, they have like a snappy brother sister relationship. I feel like they seem like they l- just truly don't like each other. Like yeah. I get yucky feelings inside watching them interact. Yeah. Like at one point she slaps him on the arm and she's like, "You take care of your shit. I'm gonna go over here." And it's like, what? Yeah. They had they, those so two what, actors. So like passive aggressive. What is no, happening? It's like they couldn't have less chemistry. Like I don't know if they I sort actually of have a theory hate though. No, I sort of have a theory go because ahead, those two me. used to have really good chemistry, and I wonder if they dated and then it just turned out badly, oh. and now they. There, there is. They, the chemistry is awful. It's truly, truly awful. It's wrong. It's count. It's contradictive to yeah. what it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's 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 friction and it doesn't work. And, and they're, they're always ups- snapping. They're, even when I feel like they're not supposed to be snapping, I feel uncomfortable because I'm like, that oh, seemed really rude. Like that seemed like yeah. you shouldn't talk to someone that way. So this is important though because Brianna, um, she's like. Roger's like, how are we going to get the smoke all over the place? And Brianna's like, gets like this like thought bubble epiphany look. And she's like, leave it to me. And then and she, you got excited. She goes off. I'm like, yeah, because she's like t- an engineer. She's going to, I don't know what she's going to do. She's going to make like a windmill, a windmill <laughs> or like some sort of you air excited. blasting reverse vacuum cleaner yeah. thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like all kinds of shit. Joe turns to me and he's like, oh, right. Cause she's an engineer. Like what's she going to do? do? Something cool. <laughs> We'll get to what she does later. We will. Meanwhile, we have Jay Frey and and Governor Tryon yeah. in a tent. And it turns out he's actually going to hang all the regulators. Yeah, he's such a dick. And Jamie, of course, says, well, a legacy of mercy would be, you know, pretty cool. And he's like, oh, they'll have mercy. They can choose heaven or hell. Yeah. And it it's such a bummer because he's leaving. So that's why Jamie's like, why don't you, you know, you're leaving. This yeah. is your legacy. Like... Jamie is, is trying everything he can, and it's not working. He's trying everything he can to stay on side, but, you know, get mercy for the regulators. Yeah. Claire then is trying to get something to eat, and Mr. Wiley hovers behind her, and you were like, what's with this creepy serial killer guy? <laughs> you were getting really uncomfortable with it, him. He is a weird, creepy serial killer guy. Um... But he knows an Irish smuggler, and of course, Claire is very interested and takes it upon herself to investigate further. So there's two parts about this scene that I didn't like. Okay. Um, creepy, creepy dandy guy does a great job. He's mm-hmm. super creepy, super dandy. Mm-hmm. But there's two parts of that. I feel like Claire wouldn't let herself get like physically cornered by this guy. I feel like she's done. She's been through enough shit that she wouldn't 
like this this powdered dude wouldn't scare her. I don't know. He well, was she was guy, but... really, she was like really trying to, because don't forget, at first she took him into a separate room and offered him the whiskey. No, I mean, this is before, before that, before that. This is in oh. the hallway when oh, he first Oh, but there's started... lots of people around. Well, but that's what I mean. That was the second part I didn't like. There was lots of people around and obviously he was being like rapey Jim. And I feel like at, like this is, she's essentially Jocasta's niece. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like someone, Ulysses, any of the other infinite amount of people at that house that know her uh, as like a really upstanding member of society would have been like, hey, you powdered dickbag, get the fuck away from her. Well, he's he's considered like, I mean, he's he's been invited. Yeah, but right? who cares? That's not an excuse to let somebody corner rape somebody like. But he wasn't corner raping her. He no. was just talking to That's, her. I find it weird that you would defend him in this situation. I didn't think he I mean, he was creepy, but he was just trying to continue conversation. I don't think that's what he was trying to do. He went but... next level when they went into the stables. Right. But there was and a it... couple there was a couple stages. Right. Just... And she invited him, first of all, well, into a th- room. That was when she was trying to be all sneaky and shit. Right. So, okay, but I also, I do find him extremely creepy. Right. She, she can smell that Stephen Bonnet is involved. So she takes him into a room. She offers him Jamie's whiskey. She asks for his advice on a matter of business. He asks a ton of questions about her rings. What did you think about his questions of her rings? Uh, well, that when was... When he was asking about her ex-husband and, oh, he must have been an amazing man. Well, he was fishing for infidelity. Oh, why do you think that? Well, because he's like, why do you wear two rings? And when she's like, this is my ex-husband and this is my current husband, he's like, oh, I find it interesting that your current husband would let you wear tokens uh, from your past husband, which kind of is like he's fishing to be like, does your husband really care that much about you? Like if I, if we go have sex in a stable is there gonna or, you know will there be repercussions oh my god i didn't even think of that joe yeah, no he's a deepy creepy that dude like that's that's he's, he's you think fishing. that's why he was asking yeah, absolutely he was fishing for business license okay well so she what talks, did you think i don't know i just thought i don't know i thought it was weird i was i was no, unsure he was, I, he was looking for implied permission interesting well, he felt like he got it, by the I way. I feel it, yeah. I, I think he did. <laughs> so she she gets confirmation that it is Stephen Bonnet that he that he works with. Right. Um, and then he takes her to the stable. And they are beautiful stables. From the outside, did you even understand that that, were, that that was stables? Or did you think it was a house? Like a really beautiful bungalow. Didn't, didn't notice. Okay. They look incredible. He shows her his horse. And... Uh, Okay, now this is when it gets really fuzzy for me and I can't answer the question even though I've read the book. You pointed out that he arrived at the party on a boat. Which, yeah, then how are they at... Some weird why, boat. But those stables hold his horse. So was it that he had arrived by horse, put his horse in the stables, and then gone for a ride on the boat? And then... A, like how? Well, also, the horse is a racehorse, which is... You would think then he wouldn't be just riding it as his daily driver, uh, so to speak. But it's like if that, even if that was the case, why would he bring the horse separately to Jocasta's wedding? Can someone answer, please? Yeah, this, the questions the whole, are gonna begin because yeah, Joe was asking me a ton of questions in this episode, and I didn't have a lot of answers. He then tries to rape her. Uh, yeah. And I like this, actually. I was going to say, and Jamie comes in and rescues her. But, like, she had already pushed him into a bunch of horse poop. And I feel like that threw him off enough that yeah. he was already not he, interested anymore. Yeah, and he was going to, like, hit her. Do you think? I feel like the... when yeah, she he was, he was about to get violent. Do you think? I do. I feel like she scared him off enough by ruining his coat. I don't think so. Okay. She was about to get violent, and Jamie stepped in and threw him up against the wall and put a knife to his face and then claire was like hey (laughs) yeah you're not gonna kill someone again at your aunt's wedding right so no i'm not right uh but here's the thing it's like again i feel like jamie let that guy i mean i know it's to like progress the story and again i know all this happened in the book so maybe there was more of a reason why but I feel like if Jamie had caught someone trying to rape and then probably attack his wife, instinctively he would kick the shit out of that guy. 
Like I, I just I feel like know. that is more on brand. With, I didn't feel like Jay Mr. Frank. Wiley was that much of a threat. Like I mean, I feel like he misinterpreted the scene and she pushed him and ruined his coat. And he was at that point, I felt like he was almost taken care of. But then Jamie came in and took yeah. it to next level. But read, you felt like he was I about read to Wiley attack. Wiley is a lot more threatening than you apparently. Okay. Well, I don't know. Um, then we're back to the locusts. They come and they Brianna. Do you want to talk about what? Brianna has created. Oh God, yeah. So Brianna's incredible invention is just waving towels. That's well, it. It's that, that was it's the sheets. Sorry, and it, I'm sorry. The sheets. She's just that it was pushes her, the smoke. That was her, yeah. All I in mean, the right direction. I could have. And I think she anyone, also provided not, like um, almost face masks for oh, everyone as well. Yeah, so there's a lot of, of engineering yeah, in that. No, it's bits like of sheets. That I don't. I don't understand. Like whatever. Again, I it's it's like way to take a character that could actually be really cool mm-hmm. and and do some really cool stuff mm-hmm. and be all like future awesome and just make her hot nothing. Right. The hottest of nothing. So the amazing CG locusts. locusts I ne- for fly the record past. I never said they were amazing. I just said that they were there. Okay. They fly past and then we're back uh with Jamie and Claire. And, Jamie, and, go ahead. Sorry, that whole locust thing again was kind of anticlimactic because it was basically just a bunch of people waving sheets at like some little wisps of smoke. You never really under understand what's going on. Plus, it seemed like, I mean, all these people have farms and they're concerned that the locusts are going to eat their farms. Is that not correct? So it's like if you're just all standing at like whatever, Jamie's house area and you're just like, waving the locusts away are you not then probably just waving them next door to the farms of the people that are concerned like i don't really i don't really understand their strategy okay, so i'm gonna respond yeah, but i'm not sure if this. this is accurate this is this is my take okay that huge swarm of locusts yeah didn't land because the smoke blew them past the whole area well made so them the, it made them veer away they didn't want to go through the smoke Right. So then they just veered away. They're gone. So luckily they came from a direction. They came from the right direction. And luckily through the magical power of sheets, they veered in a direction that was not the direction they didn't want them to go and kept going. Okay. So we need, we need some clarification. Cause it's just, it's a make work project. It was just dumb. But Roger, um, he organized the whole thing and then he and was, it all worked and the he end. was great thanked for it yeah so so i guess this whole thing was to just give roger a problem that he didn't fuck up and he didn't he handled it well thanks to brianna's partnership and engineering flapping expertise so jamie and mr wiley are going to mm-hmm. gamble this is where we both get confused why if they get the horse do they get revenge on Stephen Bond? Yeah, it's so. confusing. So Jamie then goes to Claire and he's like, I need that gold ring. He says he wants to gamble with that gold ring. Don't worry. I'm super good at gambling. I'm not going to lose it. I want the horse, but you got to give me that ring in order to get him to offer me the horse. Claire gets super pissy about it. She thinks it's an ego trip thing on by Jamie because he effed up the bonnet thing before. Um, Doesn't want to give it to him. And she says, well, then you might as well take both of them. That's and right. she throws both rings into his hand. And you said that's she voodoo, she voodoo, which I don't think it is. I think it's very clearly she angry. Like she's well, I, super I mean, mad. Now, here's what's interesting. I saw an interview with Meryl Davis and Matthew B. Roberts. It's right after the episode where they're talking. And he said in the role, because Meryl Davis said, well, in the writer's room, was it the women that understood why she always wore both rings? And Matthew B. Roberts said, actually, it's the opposite. The men understood that, you know, both rings were part of Claire. It was the women who felt kind of uncomfortable with the um, handing both rings over to Jamie and, like, the fact that she always wears both. So I thought that was kind of interesting. What are your thoughts on that? If I had a dead husband, would you be cool with me wearing his ring on this hand? Yeah, sure. Oh, that's nice. I guess. I don't know. Is he still dead? Yeah. He's not much of a threat, so you can wear whatever you want. What if he's from 2085? Then he's definitely dead. Or I'm dead. One or the other. One of us is dead. So who cares? Okay. Anyways, so she gives him both the rings. 
2085. Yeah, it's he's in the future. Well, I probably, I've come back. I could live, I mean, with technology. Who knows? Anyway, whatever. Okay. Then we have what I can only describe as a beautiful scene between Murta and Jocasta. He comes to visit her. He brings her a necklace. You kept calling it a clip because he was wearing a brooch. And you kept saying, it's a matching clip. Four clip buddies. It's a clip visit. And it was a necklace. He had made it into a necklace for her. Um, and he says, I can't believe you're going to grow old with that guy you don't even like. She says, I've long since grown old, Murta. She tells him the very sad, sad story about Hector stealing a case of steward gold, which had arrived from France, too late to actually help all the people that were on the Battle of Culloden. This must be awful for... She basically tells us the story that we already saw in the flashback. But so, for some reason, they feel the need to tell us the whole version of this story. They don't tell us the whole version. They tell us a portion tell us a of it. It gives you... It, she expresses all of her feelings. The fact that they drove away... And they kept the gold. So she says... Yeah, they kept the gold. All she can picture is her daughter wasted, like her daughter dying in the mud, lying there alone for years after. And she says, well, I've sat here for 30 years in a palace made from the gold that took her from me. Like, that's upsetting. That's why Jocasta has River Run. That's why she's so well off is because of Hector's gold. Makes sense. Murta is so amazing in this scene like when she starts to cry he comes behind her and he puts one hand on her hand and the other hand on her head it's the sweetest comforting scene i love this scene and the whole reason why she retold it was to explain to him that hector much like myrta were always fighting for a cause right she's not going to do that again she was probably very attracted to hector didn't work out she's very attracted to myrta why would she do that again? And he says, don't worry. After, after, this, after this passes, I'll just be like a regular man and I'll be calm and I'll just be like a great husband. And she says, I can't remember exactly how she says it, but she says something like, when this war is done, there'll be another one and another one and more wars after we're long gone, which is true. It is true. That happens. So this was like... A wonderful scene but you were not into it and i'll just tell everybody it's oh. because of you were super thrown off by the fact that her hair was not gray come on okay here's the thing last season jocasta had gray hair she was a silver fox steel princess she had gray hair Joe now, was so worked up about it that he has found a screen grab. I found. I had to go. I I went on the internets and I found a shot from the official Stars Twitter of Jocasta, and I'm gonna post that. And it, she has like sterling silver hair, and in this scene, her hair was brown. It was it obviously brown. brown. Absolutely, it was not brown. It was, it was a blonde chestnut. It was like a it wasn't chestnut. Rusty are you? Chestnut. I'm so sorry. Can't I feel like chestnut. you are. Uh, it was you. You. <laughs> Anyway, you know what color it wasn't? It wasn't white. Gray. That's it right. It white. was a color, and that is too much of a color for someone who had white hair. It's like, what the fuck, Outlander? Like, just, sorry, pardon my language. Like, come on, have a little bit of continuity. Did no one see that and be like, why, why, is, why does she have dyed hair? Like, sorry, I can't even say it. I'm so flustered by it. It's like, I don't understand. Is this So it took you, I unfortunately, this is why that kind of continuity is so important because it took you out of the scene. You were very distracted by her hair. You also felt like Myrta's beard was a different uh, color, which it was not. Too. I feel like you know I, I need to double, Go back double check that. I'm going to double check it, it. <laughs> check it on them internets after, but I'm pretty sure also oh, Myrta's hair was, or beard, beard was darker than it has been previously. Like, come on, people. So like, does gives... no one notice that? Really? Also, this episode was a complete snoozer. The end. <laughs> so she gives Myrta his pin back. And you said, oh, they are no longer pin buddies. They are no longer pin buddies. And she says, please go. This actress knocking it out of the park in this scene. Yeah, she's great. She's just okay. choking, just choking back the emotion. And you said... Myrta is getting old yellered again. That's right. That's right. Everyone just keeps kicking. So here's what I was saying before. 
She wants to marry Murtaugh. She loves Murtaugh, but Murtaugh is too married to his cause. And like you said, she won't get in that bed literally and figuratively again. But if she had her druthers, if Murtaugh was like, I'm going to dump this regulator shit, she would kick Ainz to the curb in a heartbeat and marry Murtaugh like, like that. You know who else wants her to marry Murtaugh loosely? Who? Ulysses. Oh, I know. He does like Murtaugh. Because when he brought him in, he's like, Mab, I have a guess for you. And he's all like smiling. She's like, I can't see it because I'm blind. Also, that was another thing. Jocasta oh, seemed right. far less blind in this scene <laughs> than she has in the past. Like before, she is she played blind really well, just like staring blindly. And I feel like she was way less blind. Less blind, dyed hair. I thought Piss she was out. still pretty blind. Less blind. Less blind. All right. So he leaves. It's a heartbreaking scene. It's a beautiful scene. Long. It was more beautiful when I didn't have you beside me yabbering away about less blind, blonde hair, pin buddies. I drop truth bombs. That's, yeah. You don't like it. And then we have Claire in the stable, angry, with a shawl on. Right. And drunk Jay Frey comes into the stable. Tousled hair. Yeah, he's all he's all mucked yeah. up. His hair is messed up, and um, he's like, "I've been looking for you." And he pulls. This is such a male man moment. What? He pulls out the rings, and he's like, "Ta-da! Problem solved now." I guess. It's like, well, it was Jamie. You have never acted more like a man because it's not about the fact that that's you, true <laughs> that you didn't lose them. It's the fact that you actually gambled them to begin with. But doesn't that seem like such a guy thing to do? Like, look. I would do that. Problem. Like, look at no longer a problem because I've got it. them still. Hey, look um, at that pole over there. So. Looks like a bed. They fight and she slaps him. Mm-hmm. And then you said, oh, they love slap sex. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I knew it was going to turn into s- sassy slap sex. They didn't do the weird music which is good right right sometimes they get into like do 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 when they're fighting yeah yeah um so here's what i'll say obviously when i watched it with you because you were making jokes and 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 you know never-ending commentary that's right i wasn't that into it but when i watched it by myself i was into this i was like this is a good scene and it's not just a sex scene for the sake of sex scene it's a sex scene like it's there's a whole bunch of things at play here right there was like a power struggle first of all they these two characters don't they very rarely like completely disagree about something they're usually on the same same team but they were very much in disagreement second there was like a lot of um reference and i feel like when jay frey gets drunk he's much less interested in her contemporary feelings and thoughts yeah so there was also like there was a there was a a power what was play? the line? Sorry. Oh, he's like, you're you're an amazing woman. But you're still a woman. <laughs> but you're just a woman. And that's what makes her hit him in the face. And at first he looks really angry about it. And then he's like, oh, wait Oh, I know what that means. <laughs> I know what that means. But my whole point is, you know, they're like, they're struggling with the different time periods. They're struggling with the, what, what gender roles mean with those different times. And like, she's obviously trained him to understand, like, so in this marriage, I am an equal and he gets that unless he's had like a lot of whiskey and he's pissed off, then he's like, you're just a woman. Right. (laughs) Although I don't think he actually thinks that anyways. So, um, I didn't mind it, but. Well, they, then they have sex. Oh, sorry. Yeah. He has sex with her. Up against a pole, and he's telling. Yes, yeah, he's like, he's like, look at it, look at, look down, look, just look at it, sat or something. He says and something you were like, like that. what? She's got so much, so many skirts on. How can she <laughs> yeah, look? It's she can't see anything. Now, would she, she have like a fucking periscope? Like, why is she supposed to see anything? Like, there's there a mirror on the floor? Like, what's? I don't understand. What do you? As a dumb, that, oh that just my wasn't, I don't understand. I don't understand. Anyways, so someone wrote to Diana yeah, Gabaldon okay. on Twitter, and Twitter they drama. said, "This is twi- this is big drama to big me." Big drama. They wrote, "The stable scene was such a disappointment. What has happened to their chemistry? Everything looked so forced and unnatural." Okay, first of all, I disagree. I thought that it was fine, um, and Diana Gabaldon wrote back, "Bad dialogue, 
bad direction, bad lighting, awkward set. Actors did their level best with what they were given to work with. Yeah, that's scathing. That is like, that is some scathing catty shit. Like she basically threw the entire production team under the bus. That's pretty... That's bad. No, that is bad. That's like, that's, you got to know that no one on Team Outlander like that. Like that's hugely bad. The network would have hated that. I actually, I did a screenshot. Like I, I saved it because I'm like, she's going to have to remove this. She can't write that because she's actively involved in the production of this show. She can't, uh... Yeah, like she can't say that. Now I'm reading and she's like, just to be clear, I liked episode 506, especially Jocasta's heartbreaking scene with Myrta. These guys asked me specifically about the stable scene though. So that's just what I told them. Yeah, I mean, I've heard enough about uh, Ms. Gabaldon that uh, she doesn't mince words, but I mean, that's just, that's a bad look. It's a bad look on the show. You know what I mean? Like that's, that doesn't benefit anyone to like publicly snark out your team. That's uh, that's a as they say, that's a dick move. I think it that's is. That's a dick move. I Gabaldon. think it is too. It's like so the person that wrote this, uh, it was from what we could tell, it is her one of her first writing credits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a story editor on the on this show, and it looks like maybe this was one of her. You know, sort of first, she's also done a lot of production stuff, uh, you know, not necessarily writing. Uh, so, you know, this might be her, her first shot at writing, uh, you know, you know, for a, it looked like she, she'd she worked on another episodic TV show, too. Uh, but uh, man, like what a crushing blow if she reads that to like, like both to her uh, ego, not, you know, like her self-confidence, but also her career. Like, I, I mean, that's a good point like, to, to like, basically, I don't think to do an adaptation like, like that. And then yeah, to have exactly. the author, yeah, the like, original, like, I don't know if she's just too self-absorbed or whatever to think about the ramifications, but especially as a writer herself, like shit like that could deep six that, that girl's career, lady woman's career. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just a shitty thing to do, in I my opinion. I thought so, too. You know, it's I one actually... thing for me to say it's poorly written. Like, nobody gives a shit about what I say. Yeah. And nor should they, Agreed. probably. Agreed, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But seriously. But, like, for for the, you know, the owner of the source material to say that, that is that is not cool for And for she this has show. a lot of followers. So it's not just putting down, you know, the writer. It's also, like, that's telling all of the book fans who who are the show's bread and butter right. that she does not necessarily support the show's interpretation. And that's a problem. Right. And it's one thing to, you know, and I'm not saying that she has to come out and kiss their ass if she doesn't like it. But uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I felt like that was bad form. So I guess I'm really curious and I should do a little bit of research. I know with season one, one of the reasons why, because she had been, I mean, she wrote these books in the 80s, right? So she had been offered, or maybe the early, early 90s. No, I think it was the 80s. But she had been offered tons of movie options. And she kept saying, there's there's too much stuff. I, you need more than two hours. And Ronald D. Moore was the first person that said, I want to make this into a series. And I want to take 13 episodes or sorry, 16 episodes and make the first book. So really dive into these characters and all the events that you created. And she read and approved of everything that was written. So I don't know if she still has that. And I know that she wrote one of the episodes in season two. And she's been very actively involved. So now I'm wondering if she's stepped back or has been pushed back from the actual creation of it and as a result she's writing stuff like i mean yeah like this is i don't know what happened i feel like i mean from what you told me about last time you know last season she kind of fell out of love with what they were doing there so maybe it's one of those things where you know i'm sure she's already super loaded and if this show 
Like, you know, to quote Rocky Four, you know, if it dies, it dies. And she's just no fucks given. Like, I'm going to say what I think. And Well, I think season four, I mean, it broke my heart for sure. But I think it must have broken her heart. Because yeah. at the end of season four, I listened to an interview with her. And they were saying, did you know that fans or television fans are rooting for Brianna and John Gray to get married? And she said... They know he's gay, right? And they said they do, but they feel like she'll be better off. Like, what are your thoughts on that? And she just said, like, she essentially said they've messed up the character of Roger. And when I wrote him, I wrote him so that you could hear his thoughts all the time. So she said, she actually defended them a little bit. She's like, some of the writing that people are upset about are direct quotes from my book. But the difference is, in my book, you can hear what he's thinking. Right. Well, and that's the biggest screw-up with Roger, is when they introduce... I said this, I believe, last season. Yeah. Is when they introduce Roger, and it, they should have started giving him monologue, I like agree. they give Claire. Yeah. Because, I mean, it would it would be fascinating to hear his take as a as an historian to go back in time and to hear like his experiences and what that's like for him and you know he's an historian he's obsessed with history and yet he's back there and he wants to get the heck out of dodge right like he does not want to actually be there we've digressed a lot lot. but i did just want to bring that up i didn't mind the stable scene i'd love to know if the book readers thought it was well done um but i thought that that was scandalous that diana gabaldon wrote that and the fact that she's like just to be clear i didn't mind it (laughs) yeah do you think that makes up for it i don't know i think people were like that's probably not cool and she's like oh i'll walk back on it like one percent yeah so then we have um stephen bonnet with i don't know that guy's name he Uh, was in the Uh, hobbit yeah. yeah um and he's told it ends with him being told that his son is now the proud owner of River Run. Right. And he is so creepy. And I was actually noticing, because he's so spastic. You yeah. never know what he's well, going to say. the Hobbit's terrified of him. The Hobbit is, I mean, I think everyone is. But I was saying to you, the difference between him as a villain and Blackjack is that Blackjack almost had more social graces. Right? Yeah. Like, the Hobbit makes oh, yeah. a comment and Stephen Bonnet just looked like, I think he is an actual psychopath. He yeah, says, no, why do you evil. think I would drink ale? And he looks like he's going to stab him. Yeah. Whereas Blackjack would have just fake laughed and carried on, right? Yeah. He almost could be charming or could fake it. Mm-hmm. So that's why this is, it's interesting because it's a horrific villain like Blackjack, but no, yeah, in a but, different way. Yeah, like I, I've said before, he's like an over the top, like twist my mustache, cackling mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cliche. But you guy. loved seeing him and you said a couple things. One, you wish that the scene had been longer. And yeah. two, you said this should have been an episode two. Exactly. All this shit should have happened way earlier in the season. Like they're obviously leading like, up. Like no one is going to be shocked at what happens here. Like they're, this is so blatantly telegraphed as to what is going to happen what do you think is going to happen joe well obviously he's going to come and try and i don't know kidnap the bit like something's going to happen where he tries to get jimmy obviously you know and they're going to have this big roundy boot with you know all this shit like this should be the story like why are they doing all this boring ass regulate like the whole like the epic story of flat hat in the village and all the like i like that episode (laughs) yeah but who gives a shit like dial it back like jocasta's wedding should have been like episode two you know, when all this shit happened and then he, then we get this Stephen Bonnet arc. This is the Bonnet arc is the only arc that anyone gives a shit about. No, that's not true no, at all. But they should. Like right. it's, it's cause it's the only thing that's interesting that's happening in this show and all the rest of the stuff, they're just stalling like locusts and the, the, the affair of flat hats and mm. the tonsillectomy and all this, like, like just give me some Stephen Bonnet. That was a really good scene. Whatever, but I, it was a good scene. But I'm just saying, like, like they're just there's all these, and they, you know what? You would see it in. I was a big fan of uh, Game of Thrones, and you would see it too, where you knew that things were going to happen with characters. Like it was so telegraphed that something was going to happen, but for whatever reason, they have to cram all this other shit in first. So they just take these char- take certain characters, and they just give them these stalling plot lines, where like in, they have to show them, but they just have them doing like literally nothing like brianna and rogers storyline it's very much like uh 
what's called uh oh god why can't i remember the the name off the top of my head but god sorry i blanked out like like sequential tv like law and order like at the beginning of the episode they are posed with the threat and then they have to solve the problem at the end of the episode they've solved it at the end and then it can reset to the next thing mm-hmm. like that's very much what's happening with roger and brianna right now they don't have an arc they have like they're getting these uh these little like sequences that they have to solve so what about the fact though that now because of what happened with the locusts roger is procedural, procedural drama sorry okay Got it. But Roger is now respected, right? He's made a decision without Jamie's assistance or help. And he's now respected by the community. He's been thanked. And he's looked at as more of a captain. It's true. That did come from that. They did manage to glean some level of something And that's obviously that. going to affect Jamie, right? Like, that's the kind of thing that when Jamie comes back, he'll be... You know he's, there's going to be a moment where he says to Roger, like, it sounds like you handled that well. He yeah. won't be, like, gracious or kind about it because he hates Roger, but he'll be like, nice job not messing that up, too. Yeah, I mean, that's something that had to be done, but they could have mixed that into... Uh, something the, interesting? A, an actual story, mm-hmm. is all I'm saying. Okay. Well, that's the episode. So it's what episode. would you give this episode out of 100? I don't know. 32? 22? Okay. What's the difference? I don't know. Between what? 32 and 22? Somewhere 10. There. I'm 10%. Giving it a, I'm giving it a range. Yeah. Okay. Somewhere between 22 and 32. 22 and 32. Yeah. Okay. I think I'd give this... I mean, it's so hard because I, I'm not going to take away points because of Brianna and Roger's dynamic because that's inevitable. That's just... It is what it it's is. It's part of the show. I need to accept it. Mm-hmm. No one wants to listen to me complain about it all the time. So I'm not taking points away because of that, even though there was a moment where I felt yucky inside. That... It's still a very great episode. So I'm going to give it a 90... Oh. Six or seven. Wow. I want to watch it again was, and I've already seen it twice. Do you remember what last week's grade was? I think last week I gave it a 96. So the same or better? Yes, I really like this episode. Really? What was your favorite scene? Uh, My favorite scene was, God, I guess the end scene with Stephen Bonnet. No, no, you know what it was? It was the Lord John Gray dancing scene where like the girls <laughs> want to hit on him and he's like, oh, I gotta go, don't know what to do. Like that was kind of funny. And yeah. I yeah. just, this show doesn't have nearly as much Lord John Gray, doesn't have enough Stephen Bonnet, and it doesn't have enough John freaking Quincy Myers. I know. Where is he in your life? Where right? is, why is he yeah. not invited to the wedding? Yeah. I know why. Why he's, didn't they make uh, Rupert live? Right? Where the, f- is Rupert. I mean, That's we know right. where he is because that was one of the most upsetting deaths yeah, on this show. Sad Rupert. Okay. So favorite scene then was the John yeah. Gray. So my favorite scene was with Myrta and Jocasta because that was like so, oh. it was so beautifully written and so beautifully acted and heartbreaking on so many levels. Listening to this woman who has lost her children and her husbands and Zuh. as she is like as her heart is breaking while she describes like it's just i know you're like i've already i've already this is like the 17th time we've had to break down this like it's like it's like the scene that was my favorite scene okay scene what without was, end okay what was your least favorite scene i mean my least favorite scene was i think your favorite scene oh wow it just i mean was there anything wrong with the scene except for of course jocasta's hair and murdy's beard i think uh no but it was like we'd already covered the majority of the scene like the whole purpose of that heart-wrenching you know the stuff with jocasta at the beginning of the episode like we already saw the emotion we already knew it was there like we just it was just it was a retread okay my least favorite scene was um between roger and brianna Mm. when she slapped him on the shoulder and said you keep shoveling your shit i'm gonna go over here all i'm gonna say okay who would you say your mvp is ulysses oh that's a good I mean, one i you know what it's i know it sounds weird and like i'm like laissez-faire but seriously like he is that guy is such a good actor in every little bit he gets like mm-hmm. that's another guy we need more john gray we need more john quincy myers uh, I forgot someone else that I mentioned and we need more Ulysses mm-hmm. like Ulysses needs an arc where's the adventure of Ulysses where he needs to like go somewhere to get something I want to see an episode mm-hmm. with him okay 
My MVP would be Murdy. Yeah. Murdy was breaking my heart in this episode. Yeah. Poor Duncan. Yeah. And that's it. That's the episode. There we have it. There we go. Yet another episode of Loinlander in the Books, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet or anywhere. Everyone out there, wash your hands, stay safe, and stay home. And uh, thanks so much for listening. And we asked a lot of questions in this one, so please let us know, book readers, what we're missing. Um, Let's get some engagement. Stay home, get on Facebook, don't go out, (laughs) wash your hands, and and, and talk about Outlander. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.